verse 18. It says, Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, Which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? The Lord said, Judah first. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and camped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. Wait, what? And the people, that is the men of Israel, encouraged themselves. Someone say encouraged themselves. Encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against him. So the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more false church of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. Then all the children of Israel, that is all people, went up and came to the house of God and wept. Just get to the house of God. Even if you can't listen, even you can just weep, it's okay. Just get to the presence of God, everybody. Since they wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant in those days was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again? God, do you want me to do this again? To go out again? To go to battle against not anybody but against the children of my brother Benjamin. God, this is hard. Or shall I cease? God, I'm not getting the results. Like, do you want me to do this again? And the Lord said, go up for tomorrow. Someone say tomorrow. For tomorrow, I will deliver them into your hand. Let's pray. Father, you have been faithful. Thank you. Amen. You like that? Thank you so much. Oh, can we give a hand clap to our worship team at all of our locations? Come on. I love it. Do we have any cat people in the room? She said, ow. You are alone. But it's okay. The Spirit of God is going to meet you. If any location, if anybody raised their hand, I'm so sorry. That's why we're in this thing called church, to make sure that we can deliver you. Deliver you. (laughs) Do we have any dog people in the room? Ow, ow. Or should I say woof, woof? I may be the world's worst dog lover on the planet. I pro- I'm serious. I love doggies. Only a dog person says doggies. Everyone says dogs. But no, a doggies. I love them. I love all types of doggies. I do. I like the Bichon Frise. I like the poodles. I like the huskies. I love the shih tzus. Why? Because I like saying their name. Shih tzu. Let's move it on. I like, 
I like the Dalmatians. I like the Great Danes. I like the Chow Chows. I love the Beagles, the Britneys. I mean, I love dogs. I will stop a conversation, stop what I'm doing. If a puppy came on stage right now, I just love dogs. I love them so much. I mean, I've had dogs all of my life. But let me tell you, dogs are dumb. <laughs> dogs are dumb. I would know. Like I said, I've had them for most of my life, for all of my life. I've had a dog. And uh, right now we actually have two dogs, not one, we have two. And we have doodles. I have one, it's a mini golden doodle, everyone. Like nice chestnut color, really fluffy and cute. <laughs> His name is Simba. The kids name him. And then I know Sim Simba. That's how I call him. And someone's going to get that, Sim Simba. <laughs> And then I have a mini Australian Labradoodle. Love him. Oh my gosh, he's so adorable. We call him Pup Smoke. <laughs> Pastor Stephen named the dog Pup Smoke, by the way. I love him. And when we got the dogs, they said that these are pretty intelligent breeds. But y'all, the elevator doesn't go to the top floor with our dogs. It comes maybe halfway. And I'm like, you know, the other couple of days I was, I'm trying to chain, I was trying to train Pup Smoke. And so I was trying to chain him in a basic game of fetch. Fetch is easy. It's not rocket science. It's fetch. You throw the ball, you catch it. So I'm like, Pup, I'm going to show you something. Come here, Smoke. Come here, Smoke. And he came and all that. I rubbed him. I'm like, here. So I threw the ball. And it's like, oh. I'm like, yeah, get the ball. So he got the ball and brought it back. And I said, oh, you cute little doggy. You little dumb little cute doggy. I love you. You're so cute. And so he liked it. And so then I threw the ball again. And he looked at it. He was like, go get the ball. Yeah, go get the ball. So we did that for a couple of times. And mind you, I'm not giving him any cheese or anything like that. I'm just encouraging with my words. I read somewhere that that's better sometimes than cheese. But I still had the cheese. So then I throw the ball. And we're doing this for a couple of times. And then all of a sudden, he just stopped. Like he was so close. He just kind of stopped. And I said, pop. Come here, come here, get the ball. It's right there. Get the ball. He looked at the ball. He looked at me. He looked at the ball. Looked at me and said, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Completely, he just disengaged. He started chasing a little vacuum cleaner or a child. I'm not sure. They're both the same thing. So he just started running around <laughs> and chasing a dog. I'm like, what is wrong? I'm like, Pop, why'd you stop? So I'm calling him, Pop, come here, come here. You were so, come, 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 come. He just would not come. And all of a sudden, I'm like, come, you're so close. You were learning a new skill. Why'd you stop? And look, I had cheese for you. You were so close to getting the cheese. Why'd you stop? Where are you going? Why'd you stop? Come here, come here. And I'm looking at the dog, asking him why I stopped. And the Lord said, what about you? And I was like, ah. And I'm asking you, what about you? Some of us were fully engaged with God. We're listening to him. We know that he's teaching us something. He's telling us something, and we're going, we're doing it. We're coming back. We're engaged. And somewhere, somehow, we just stopped. We looked at the task. We looked back at God, looked at the task, and then looked somewhere else. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not being rewarded as I should. This is a little harder than I thought it would be. I'm just going to stop. You know, we're finishing up the series, Marching Orders, and I have loved it. Have y'all enjoyed the series that we're in? It has been so good. Pastor Stephen, he's been in the bag. That's what they say? He's been in the... Never mind. And what is the series about? If you missed any part of it, they're all on YouTube. You can catch up on it. In that there's a mission that God has for you and for me. 
There's something great that he's called us to. But here's the thing. It doesn't come without a fight. If any of us dares to believe God, if any of us want more, want greater, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's going to come with a fight. But it does exist. We talked already about how it's never not our season. Bad English, but it preaches well. It's never not our season. Last week, we talked about how our past experiences actually train us for the battles that we're currently facing. Today, we're talking about something that I don't like to talk about, everyone. I like all the cute stuff. I like all the pretty stuff. I like all the fun, encouraging things, but I don't like that. What happens after you experience a defeat? As we live our lives, as we go after what God has for us, listen to me, we will face defeat. Sometimes it's just not going to work out. Sometimes it's just not going to work out the way we thought it would. And sometimes there are major reasons why, and that there's sin in our lives. You know, there's something where we're missing the mark. Sometimes it's because we're trying to muscle this miracle out. God has, I'm going to do it myself. It's not going to work out. And sometimes we're a little bit more like pup smoke. We're just distracted. We're doing it, but it's just not looking how we thought it should, so I'm going to go ahead and do something else. But what happens when you go into a battle, you're doing exactly what God told you to do, and instead of getting a win, you get a devastating result. What happens then? What happens that you go to war, someone is sick in your family, and you feel like God is saying, go to battle for them, pray, do all these things, and you're believing, you know, and it doesn't end your way. What happens when you're doing what you feel is if God's called you himself, he's called you to do it, but it's not looking how he said it should be looking. This is the part of faith that I don't like, everyone. I don't like that part. I want to at least be doing something wrong, and then God corrects it. When I'm doing what I think he's called me to, and then I'm not receiving the results, that's something that I take offense to. You know, God's not afraid of that, right? You know, he knows it happens, right? He's not afraid of that topic. He has something to say about it. Because a lot of us, sometimes we don't even engage God. Why did this happen? What's what? And the enemy is there, and now all of a sudden, some of us, some of us in the room, some of us watching, we have this misunderstanding, and we, like, God is a bad God. How could such a good God let such a bad thing happen? Like, I don't get it. Again, he has something to say. When you look at the book of Judges, it's pretty dark. It really is. The Bible, in the book, it says that in this time, the children of Israel, they had no king. And so they did whatever it is that they wanted. It says it multiple times in this book. Sounds like modern day times, doesn't it? People just doing as they see fit. So what takes place is that this crazy crime takes place in Gibeah. I'm not going to get into the details of it. It's just terrible. Trust me. It's bad. That's what happens when people are living without a God. So this crazy crime takes place. And the children of Israel, they go to Benjamin. They said, hey, you got to, this is crazy. This is, this is on a new level of crazy. Like, we, uh-uh, we have to get, we have to repent. Y'all have to repent. Like, and they said, no, we're not doing it. So they find themselves now engaged in a civil war, a war that they don't want. But it's like, okay, it's okay, it's okay. It says that 26,000 trained Benjamites that they go to war against 400,000 trained Israelites. 
There was emphasis on trained Israelites. So Benjamin was trained and Israel was trained. You got it? The Bible was very specific to say that they were trained Israelites. I'm not talking about Ray Ray and them. Pookie and them. No, it's not Pookie. It's not Ray Ray. It's not any of them. These are some trained men. Sparta. It's them that's going to war. But you have 26,000 going against 400,000. The odds are in Israel's favor, right? And they're not even going by themselves. They ask God about it, right? So they go to war. And what happens? First day, it says 22,000 of them die. Wait, excuse me? Huh? I don't get it. Okay, God, we prophesy in part. So did I get something wrong? So they go to God and they ask him, should we go again? Because we just received something. It just caught us off guard. Go back to God and God says, yeah, go. They do what God asked them to. And this time 18,000 die. Excuse me. The young saints, the math ain't mathing. They still say that, right? I think I saw it on TikTok. I'm not sure. not. This is not flowers what they expected. It's not. Have you ever felt that? God, I'm doing what you asked me to do. Why is this so hard? Why am I not getting the results? What's happening here? God, you told me to go. You told me to start that business and now I can't make payroll? I don't understand. Our kids, they're starting um, soccer soon. Well, they just started last week. Four practices already. Excuse me? It's okay. And I'm nervously excited. Uh, excited for them. They'll be fine. I'm nervous about me. What type of mom am I going to be? I don't know. Like, I've never done this before. And I'm like, what? I, I, am I going to be the one that's always on their phone? I mean, yes. I'm taking pictures. I, the other day, I almost stepped on a child because they were in my way. Was I taking a picture of Zoe? <laughs> sorry, not sorry. should have moved faster. But the... I mean, I'm like, I'm going to be fully equipped. I'm on Amazon. I'm buying all the things. There are some souped up lawn chairs, everybody. Yes, there are. The one that's coming in pretty soon should be here soon. It has an umbrella. It has a little seat back and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm ready for it. There was one that's supposed to be insulated to keep me warm, cold or warm. It doesn't depend. I mean, I'm ready for it. I'm gonna be, it's going to be good. <clears throat> but I'm thinking, what happens when they start to not just practice, but they start to play games? And apparently this league, they actually pay games and they get wins and losses. What? I wasn't ready for this. If you know my personality, I'm so tenderhearted, everybody. I want everyone to win. You get a W, you get a W, you get a W, we all get Ws. But apparently that's not how it works. <clears throat> what happens when they try their best and they still come up short? I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel. You know, as gifted and as talented as you are, you know you're going to suffer some losses. As gifted and as talented as my babies are, and we're going pro, baby. I don't need your faithlessness. I know that they're going to suffer defeat. They're going to suffer losses. It's just a part of life. No one just gets W's from now until when Jesus comes. Sometimes your eyebrows aren't going to match. Sometimes your shape of the barber's going to take it back a little bit too much. Sometimes you're going to try. You're a great cook. You are. You're awesome. You're gonna, sometimes you're going to try a new recipe, 
and it's just not going to be hitting. Don't stop cooking. It's okay. It's a part of life. No one just gets W's from now until when Jesus comes back. We will all suffer losses. It's amazing looking at the children of Israel. And I'm like, wait, what? They had one loss and then they had next loss. Like what? It doesn't make sense. Yet they kept going. I believe that there's a level of resilience and there's a level of bounce back that we all need. We desperately need it to accomplish everything that God has for us. And to get that resilience, to get that bounce back, you know what the secret is? And I believe the children of Israel, they had that too. The secret sauce? You want the sauce? Say, I want the sauce. Okay, fine, I'll give it to you. It's choice. God has given us the ability to choose, UBC. He doesn't make us do anything. In his sovereignty and in his love for us, he gives us the ability to choose. To choose to love him. To choose to yield to him. To surrender our will to him. To say, not my will, but your will. God, if you ask me to do it, God, I'm going to do it. God, I don't understand. I don't really know where it's going. God, it seems uncertain and all of this seems unknown. But God, I'm going to obey you because it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. God has given us the ability to choose. And the children of Israel, they had that. They chose to obey the voice of God then. And it looked scary. It looked uncertain. But I believe God, he honored that. They had lost one day, two day. But that wasn't the end of their story. I've titled today's message, It's Not Over Yet. Someone say, it's not over yet. Because it's not over yet. Some of you, you have disengaged. You were fully going out and coming back. You were doing what God's called you to, but because it's been hard, because there's been setbacks, because that marriage isn't looking the way you want it to, like you've just fully disengaged. No, it's not over yet. When we look at this story, this story, crazy story, but when we, sad story, it's sad in different parts, but it ends with a win, everybody. And I just believe that's what God has for you. So we're gonna unpack it and see what we can learn because here's the thing, we will experience setback. I'm not prophesying over you bad. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we will experience setback. But God has a plan. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're taking notes because you love Jesus, you can write this down. Only people that don't love Jesus don't take notes. That's what it says in the book. What page? Don't worry about it. First thing is remember your why. Flowers, remember your why. Have y'all ever been on a dummy mission? Do you know what a dummy mission is? For some of you that are a little bit, you've been saved since you were in diapers, it's fine. Um, but a dummy mission is when you're going somewhere where you have no business going. It's not going to produce anything. You're doing something that you probably shouldn't be doing. It's a dummy mission. Now, about, uh, <laughs> about a decade ago, myself and a member on staff, a person on staff, I'm not going to name their names, but they're currently chief of staff here. <laughs> I'm not going to name their names. We both had this strong desire for Chinese food. Like, we just wanted, both wanted Chinese food, but we didn't want, like, 
the cute Chinese food place. You know, we wanted some real Chinese food. If you know Chinese food, you know what I'm talking about. I wanted some real, real Chinese food. And so her fiance at the time said, oh, I know of a place. And we're like, oh, bet, let's, let's go get it. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, what's it, what's it called? They didn't know. Like, but I'll give you Cross Street. I'll give you the general area. Sounds dumb, right? We didn't think so. Okay, okay, just let us know. We kind of know the area a little bit. No, we didn't. But we started going to this place, this phantom place. Doesn't matter. Let me tell you, Zoe was about two months old and she was in the backseat. She screamed the entire time we were driving. Was this place close? No. Again, did we know the name of this place? No. We were driving deep into Baltimore to the place that no longer became Baltimore. It was Baltimore. UBC, you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all don't even go there. To Baltimore, where you see the blue lights and different things, and search for good Chinese food. Again, I had to stop and feed my baby. I had to stop and change. I had to stop and get gas. And at the sketchiest place, I'm like, sir, we're not in Jersey. Why are you standing so close to my car? Like, I mean, all types of like craziness. In retrospect, I'm like, I think we put ourselves in a dangerous situation. But we didn't, we didn't understand it then because our desire... For MSG, it just fueled us. We wanted it, and nothing was gonna stop us. Hours later, I kid you not, hours later, after multiple turnarounds and stuff like that, we finally decided to turn around. Defeated, hungry, and I was mad at her fiance. Not even mad at him, mad at me. Like, why would you go there, dummy? There's nothing redeemable about that story. It sounds ridiculous to drive for hours with a newborn in the back seat to a place we didn't even know the name of. It sounds so ridiculous, everybody. But I find a lot of us live our lives that way. No plans, just vibes. No real vision, just ideas of something we saw or something we heard. So we're going after it because we want it. Our desire is not enough to keep us locked in on missions, everybody. It's not. It'll wane. You know, the Bible has over 6,000 promises of God. Over 6,000 plans, hopes, strategies, over 6,000 of them. When we lock into it, it it anchors us. It keeps us going back. And it's like, this is not even me. This is outside of me. This is what the word of God says. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. The vision God has given you is your why you keep showing up. I know you've experienced defeat. But it's the vision that God has given you. It's a prophetic vision. It's why you keep showing up. It's why you can't stop now. The Bible says when there's no vision that you stumble all over yourself. That's a different version. You stumble all over yourself. Some of us, we're stumbling all over ourselves. We don't know what's up, what's down. We're just coasting. We're just living. No. I love what Paul says when he's talking to King Agrippa. That's actually a really great name for a puppy. Agrippa. Come here, Grip. He's talking to King Agrippa. He said, I know a lot of people don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And they shouldn't. He was like, but I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Do you know God has a heavenly vision for you? Because he does. 
And some of us, we don't know. Here's the thing. You can go and inquire of the Lord. In this story, when we go back, it says the children of Israel, they inquired of God before they even went up. And he told them to go. You know, he's not just a good person that makes suggestions, right? He's the Lord. And he has laws. He has principles. And when we obey them, everyone, he honors that. We receive blessings here on earth and also eternity. There's some thank yous you're not going to hear here, but you're going to hear in heaven. There's some things that no one is going to notice here, but you will hear in heaven, everybody. That's the God that we serve. And when we lock into his vision, to his plans for our lives, it keeps us grounded. It's beyond me. It didn't originate in me. This is him. You can inquire of God, God, why am I on earth? This is Union Church. We're uniting people with purpose. Why don't you know your purpose? Because you haven't inquired of God. But he's waiting. He's waiting, everybody. And he's not mad. And some of you have an idea, but it's not clear enough. And that unclear vision is why you're stumbling all over yourselves. It's not condemnation. It's a calling up higher, everyone. You know, um, I'm Sierra Leone. Some of you know that. Some of you don't. Mina Salon Titi. Yes, so. We're such a small country. No one knows. It's okay. But um, so our culture, it comes with a lot of things. One of which where you have some aunties that just say whatever it is that they want to say. Oh, look, you don't gain weight. You don't even have to be African to know what was said. Like, oh, you just gained a little weight. What about you? I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking in my head, but it's not holy. Um, I have to give you that context because I feel a certain type of way when people just say whatever they want at the left of their mouth. Um, a, it was years ago. I had just had a baby, and it was about, I think, two months, three months, and I found myself in this wedding, right, and feeling all types of ways. Someone there, a part, part, I'm not, I'm not, I can't give you too much details because people start becoming investigators and stuff. Who was it? Mind your business. Let me just tell the story. So a couple of years ago, I had just um, had a baby, um, feeling all types of ways and stuff like that. And a person there was just like, oh, you're looking a little um, thick, aren't you? <laughs> I can't even tell you all the thoughts that came through my mind. First of all, we're not blood. You can't speak to me that way. Second of all, I don't like you. Why are you speaking to me that way? Third of all, shut up. That's why you're... <laughs> I didn't care about her. And I don't know, maybe sometimes, you know, we say things sometimes we don't mean, but you never apologize. It's whatever. But somehow her words were sticky. Somehow they stayed with me. And all of a sudden, I became obsessed with losing weight, everyone. I'm just being a little bit probably too transparent, but I just became obsessed with it. Like, I'm like, I need to do this. Like, I don't want anyone to think X way about me or anything like that. I had just had a baby, everyone. Like, hormonal and everything, but just all of a sudden locked in on, I need to do this. I don't want them to think this and this about me. And I started to lose weight because here's the thing. Someone else's opinions, it can fuel you. 
It can inspire you, but it cannot sustain you. Losing weight is not bad. Wanting to be healthy, that's not bad. My motivation was bad. My motivation wasn't what the Lord thought, it's what someone else thought of me. Someone that I didn't care about. What? After a while, I'm like, all the angst, like I will lose weight and then be afraid to gain it back. It was like a whole thing. And I had to inquire of the Lord and say, God, what is this? God, what, what? I don't understand. Am I off here? It's like, yeah, you're off. But God, help me. I'm so sorry. I repent. That's my story. What about you? Some of you, you're engaged in things that God never asked you to be a part of. Maybe it's not someone that you care about. Maybe it's someone that you do care about. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's society. You should do this. So you find yourself going to war, going to battle, doing these things and stuff like that. And you're getting some results sometimes, but there's an angst to it. There isn't peace to it. I think God has something to say about it. I think you should go and inquire of the Lord yourself and see what he says about the mission that you're in because he does have something to say. You need to remember your why, everyone. It's in heavenly vision. It's beyond me. That's why I'm showing up. That's why when it gets tough, I'm not throwing the towel down. That's why I'm continuing to go because it's beyond me. It's a heavenly vision, everyone. God has that for you and he has it for me. So remember your why. And on top of that, for some of us, hear me, especially talking about parents, some of us, we're just coasting. We're not fully engaged in battles because we're not fully taking territory either. Life is good. We're good. I'm not fighting that battle. I don't have to. I'm good. You're good. But what about your kids? What about your nieces and nephews? Someone is counting on you to show up. Who is that person? Remember your why. Second thing is borrow some encouragement. Borrow some encouragement. I am um, a full extrovert. Any extroverts in the room? Yes. And the introverts, like, if you yell at me one more time. <laughs> yes, I love having people over my house all the time, to my husband's chagrin, right? And so I love when people come over. I love it. I really do. And I'm not extra with it or anything like that. Like, come, like, make yourself at home. Please, come, 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 come. It's cool. The only thing I ask is take your shoes off. When you come to my house, take your shoes off. It's not so much you as much as me. My kids are dirty. They'll drop a lollipop and they'll pick it up. And I tell them to pick it up because I paid money for that lollipop. So two-second rule, pick it back up, stick that sucker in your mouth, and you'll be fine. But if you're bringing extra germs into my house with your shoes on, we're not having that. So take your shoes off. And I think some people, it's okay, but sometimes it catches some people off guard, everyone. How can I tell? They don't say anything but their feet. Their feet do the talking, everyone. Columbia, their feet, they be talking. And it's like, I didn't expect this was going to happen. I thought these were going to be protected. No, baby, you're at my house. Take your shoes off. Okay. And sometimes they're a little bit behind and pedicures. Behind by two months, two years. I can't tell sometimes. But it's okay. Love covers a multitude of sins. So if you come to my house, I have socks for you. And I tell people that you can borrow. Someone say borrow. You can borrow some socks. I have some nice socks in my house. They're the fuzzy ones. They're really cool socks. Borrow the socks, and when you're done, when you're leaving, put the socks down, okay? Because I'm going to use it again for someone else that forgot their socks. You know how many people don't return my socks? <laughs> you don't know how many people don't return my socks, huh? You know, I finally in my faith where I, I'm okay with it. I just go to their house and borrow their Tupperware <laughs> with no intentions of giving it back. 
It's okay. Sometimes we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we got to borrow something. That's a silly example, but sometimes what God's asking us to do to show up again, we just don't have it. The text said that the children of Israel, that they encouraged one another. Sometimes you're, gonna have, you're not going to have the encouragement yourself. You're just not going to have it. When you experience loss after loss after loss, setback after setback after setback, sometimes you just don't have it. And it's okay. You can borrow it. That's why I love the fact in this church that we have groups. Someone clap for groups. Some of you have no idea what groups are. You're just clapping. It's okay. Groups are simply people. That groups of people that are meeting everywhere, all types, everywhere, and um, in the DMV, meeting about spiritual things, non-spiritual things. You want to grow in your faith. You want to get more fit. You want to you be around other people that are dating. You want a man. You want a girl. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, there are all types of groups in their meeting. They're launching today. Someone say today. Because sometimes... Who you're connected to is not just a good thing. It's not just for a selfie. It's a matter of life and death. In the story, there are two types of communities that are depicted. You have good community and then you have bad community. One, this whole civil war, it started because of what happened to one man, a Levite. He experienced this crazy crime. So then he goes to the rest of Israel and said, this is what happened. And the rest of Israel say, we got your back. And they go to war for this man. Conversely, there's another group, the Benjamites. It was only a group of people that did the crime, but, and, but they decided to stick with them. They decided to be more loyal to them than to God. So they find themselves going to war, but they, because they chose to be in that community, their whole tribe would be extinct, just about extinct. Listen to me, who we're connected to is not just a good idea. It's a matter of life and death, everyone. And some of us, sometimes we're just so cavalier when it comes to the people we're connected with. When it comes to godly community, some of us, we grew up in it. We have a plethora of it. Some of us, we don't. And we're okay with it. Say, my wife is the one that has friends. No, sir, you. Yes, you in the red. You need to have friends too. Someone's like, am I wearing red? No, I'm just being funny. (laughs) Laugh a little. We need it. It's not just a good idea. Sometimes you're going to have the motivation. You're going to remember your why. And sometimes you're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. And you're tempted to be like puff smoke and wander off. And someone is going to be like, nope, here's what God's called you to. Nope, mm-mm, this is a marriage. Nope, nope, no, you're not going to be stupid. I got you. Nope, this is it right here. Come on, girl. Come on, dude. We're about to do this together. You don't have to go alone. That's why you need groups. It's not just cute. Hear my heart. Hear my heart, everybody. Who we're connected to is not just, a, it's not cute. It's a matter of life and that some of us are more loyal to the people that we grew up with than the mission that God has called us to. I am not saying that you can't be friends, you can't be associated, but the place that they have in your life, it's a dangerous place. And you and I both know it. There's a story that's found in 1 Samuel 30. It's an interesting story. It's one of David and his army. And gone off to war, they were doing what God's called them to, and they come back to their town, right? And the Amalekites, the enemy, they had raided their place, and they had taken their women and children. Crazy. 
You come back after war to find greater devastation? Wait, what? And it says some of the men that they were so devastated, UBC, that they were so discouraged that they didn't have energy to go back out and fight the Amalekites to take what was theirs. So a few of the men that they were connected to somebody, they went out and they defeated the enemy and they brought back the spoils. They shared the spoils with those that were too tired to go. You know, some of you, you're rich with spoils. You're rich with wisdom. You're rich with ambition. You're rich with faith. You're rich with these things that God has blessed you with or that you've even worked hard for. You're rich with it. Conversely, at the same time, flowers, there are those on this row right now and they have been fighting and they're so devastated and they're so discouraged that they can't even take back what the enemy took from them. They don't have it in them, but you do. And you can share those spoils. And you, if you're connected to the right people, everybody, you can take back what the enemy is trying to steal from you. Groups are not just a good idea, everyone. It's a matter of life and death. Sometimes you just got to borrow the encouragement. You're not going to have it. And maybe you're rich in this area, but a little bit anemic in the other area. It's all good. Someone say, it's all good. good. Someone else got your back. Here in this church, do not fight alone. Not here. The mission is too big. The last thing is this. Keep going back to God. Keep going back to God. Um, I love myself a good meal. If you like a good meal, someone say amen. amen. And when I find a good meal, I go back. Not just a second time, a third time, a fourth time. All the time, praise God. Because I like it. So I'm going to go back to it. It's comforting. It's good. Get no, Okay, sorry. I like it. I, um, <laughs> I'm always thinking about food. God help her. The text said that after facing the unexpected defeat, that the children of Israel, that they came to God's presence, not just once, but they came again and again. And it said that they wept. Second time they came, it said that they wept and they fasted and they made offerings to God. They were disappointed. They were defeated. This is not how it's supposed to be. God, this is not what, it's not how it's supposed to be. They were disappointed, but yet they chose still to go back to the presence of God. When you're disappointed, where do you go? Where do you go? Because you go somewhere. Do you go to Cabo? Someone says sometimes. If the money is right, yeah. Do you go to the club? Not no more, someone said. This is confessional hour. Anyone else? Let's pass the mic, everybody. When you're disappointed, when things don't go the way they should, when things don't go the way God promised, where do you go? Because you go somewhere. Do you go to the presence of God? Because when we look at the story, that's where they went. 22,000 died, then 18,000 after. This isn't making sense. And yet they chose to still go to the presence of God, everybody. Do you go to the presence of God when you're disappointed? Or do you keep your distance? 
I know for me, when I'm, I don't realize it sometimes, I, I don't even register sometimes that I'm, that I'm disappointed in God. But I know I'm reading my Bible, but I'm not lingering. I know I'm praying, but it's a little short, a little tactical. And then that's it. Lately, I've been just floored by just the open invitation that God has. He always wants us to be with him. The Bible says to come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, in his presence, there's this conversion that takes place. It's like the spirit of heaviness for gladness. There's this convert. It's supernatural. It doesn't make sense. But in his presence, there is fullness of joy, everybody. There is this peace that surpasses understanding. It's only in his presence. So when you're disappointed, I dare you to go to him. Tell him. Let him know, like, God, this hurts. It said that the men wept. Have you seen a grown man cry? I can't see it coming down my eyes. So I got to make the sermon cry. Bars. They wept. They were devastated. Yet God can handle their disappointment. God can handle yours. When something doesn't go your way, and here's the thing. As you're living, as you're breathing, something's not going to go your way. We talked about it already. When you're going after what God has for you, the enemy's not happy about it. I want to find my purpose. Yeah, sure, give her a purpose. It's not going to happen. You're going to face setback. There's going to be warfare. It's not going to look pretty. But can you go to the presence of God? Can I go to the presence of God? Come on, UBC. Where do you go? There's a safe place for you to process it all. When I'm feeling some type of way, I just read the Psalms. And sometimes I just read it out loud. I'm like, ooh, dang. David, he was going through some things. He was. It's so wonderful. In Psalm 51, 17, it says, My sacrifices, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. You know what happens in defeat oftentimes? There's a level of humility. There's a level of brokenness that we didn't have before. I'm not saying God caused it, but I'm saying God can use it. I'm saying that it brings sometimes, if we would allow it, it would bring this desperation, this surrender. And I think God loves it. When they went back to God again, because they knew that he was a safe place, because they knew that he can handle it, he spoke something else. He said, tomorrow, I will deliver them to your hands. I wonder what we're missing by not going back. I think some of us, we got a directional word once. Some of us, we got encouragement a second time. And we're going out and we're kind of doubting a little bit. Is this it? But it said that they went back. And this time, he said, tomorrow, I will deliver them into your hands. What boldness. What confidence. My God said this. How would you be? How would you step back into that marriage? How would you parent that child? How would you look at yourself in the mirror knowing that God himself said something? Remember, he is God. And his word, it does not return void, everybody. It accomplishes everything it set forth.
they went back because they thought God was a safe place and he said, tomorrow I will deliver it to your hands. You know what's so funny? Columbia, God, he keeps the details to himself sometimes. He said tomorrow. He didn't say early tomorrow. He didn't say at two o'clock in the morning. Like this is, no, he didn't say that. And what's interesting, what's interesting, y'all, is that they went back out. They trusted God. So they went back out, but yet the fighting was fierce. Just because God said it doesn't mean it's not going to be war. He said that there's victory, but it's, you're still going to have to show up in battle. It said that they started fighting again. The text said, I love God's word. It's so rich. He said the battle was fierce, that it was so fierce. It was so tight that even Benjamin thought that they were winning. The fighting is most difficult. It's the hardest when breakthroughs around the corner. You got to know that. That's why you can't stop here. They went up a first time, defeat. They went up second time, defeat. But they chose to go up a third time. You know what? That reminds me of my Savior. Unexpected defeat. No, he actually said he was going to die. But after the first day, nothing. It looked like it was over. After the second day, nothing. It looked like it was over. He was dead, dead. But then the third day, someone say the third day, everybody. Oh, suck. Someone say the third day, everybody. The third day, did he stay in the grave, everyone? No. He rose up again because victory was promised, everyone. That's why you can't stop now. That's why it's not over yet. You have to know that he who called you, he's faithful that he will do it. Yes, you've been receiving setbacks. Yes, you've been receiving losses. Yes, it has not made sense. The math has not been mathing. It's been hard, everyone. For some of you, it's a cakewalk. But for many one who is listening right now, you know it's been difficult. And you've wanted to give up. But you can't stop here. Because there is a third day breakthrough that is coming your way in the mighty name of Jesus. There is breakthrough that's coming to your marriage. There's breakthrough that's coming to your mental space. There's breakthrough that's coming to your health. There's breakthrough that's coming into that relationship. There's breakthrough that's coming in your career. There is breakthrough because our God is faithful even when we are faithless. Our God, He will not disappoint. Oh, we can hope in Him. Oh, we can trust in Him. Oh, we can know that He is good. It doesn't matter what our circumstances say. He is faithful even when we are faithless. He is able to defeat. He already said it in His Word, and His Word does not return void, everybody. It encompasses not some things. It encompasses everything that is set forth. Why do you want to give up? It's not over yet. Dare to get back up again. Dare to go out again. Dare to believe again, somebody. Because the third day, victory is yours. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much. God, I pray for the spirit of long-suffering, God, to rest on each and every one of us. Some of us, God, we've been in this for far too long. The enemy has tried to discourage, and for some of us, it's actually worked. We're here in this room, and we're crying. We're here in this room reminded of the losses, but God, I know in this moment, you're reminding us of your faithfulness, of your victory, Father. Your word said that you've given us Jesus, that there's nothing that you will also freely give us. So God, we thank you for the victory that's ours in Jesus' name. It's not by anything that we might do, God, but it's because of what you have done that the victory is ours in Jesus' name. God, I'm praying for some people in the room. God, they're listening, 
but they feel as if they've been fighting all their life. They feel as if it's been hard. They feel as if they've been dealt a hard hand. They feel as if life hasn't been good. Life hasn't been kind to them. So they have been doing life by themselves. But today, because you are alive, because your Holy Spirit is within us, that you are speaking. And God, I pray that they would know that that's you saying, hey, it's been hard, but I long to have a relationship with you. For some of you in the room, you might be familiar with church, but you've never met the God of church. And today you're feeling there's something different. I understood some of what she said, but there's something different. I've been doing life by myself. I've been trying to make things happen. It's just not working. And that's God saying, hey, I sent my son to die on the cross for your sins. And I want you. You've been on lots of dummy missions, but I still want you. And if that's you, that you want a relationship with God, it'll be my privilege, my absolute honor to pray for you. I'm not gonna have you come up front, but right where you are, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, just repeat this prayer. And out of encouragement, church, can we all repeat this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. God, I ask that you step into my life. God, lead me and I will follow you. And God, thank you for my victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give a hand clap? Can we give a resounding hand?